You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, congratulations, parents. We're so excited. You know, about one-third of our church uh, is young children. So it's children and youth make up about one-third of the entire population of North Valley. So again, let's give them one more round of celebration, just thanking them. All right. It was so great to be a part of this special day with you. Today's Mother's Day. For those of you that have children, I want to uh, really encourage you and just say we're so honored and privileged at North Valley. We want to partner with parents uh, to help make a big difference in, in your life, in your home, and come alongside our, this younger generation. This morning, we're going to be in a message uh, called uh, Changes Parents and Parenting. And really what I'm going to do is give you a, one of the most famous Bible verses in the book of Proverbs about training up a child. We're going to look at that together. And then I'm going to do a bit of a cultural analysis as what's going on in this generation, the younger generation, and uh, be able to encourage you on how to train up uh, a, ch- a child in to follow the Lord's uh, will and the Lord's ways. So um, before we get started, though, I want to tell you, introduce you to my family. This is a picture of my uh, kids. I have Sam. He's 13, a biological twin to Riley. And uh, she's on the other side there. And right there in the middle is Maya. And we're the rice family. So what I like to say is we have white rice, we have wild rice, fried rice, um, and then brown rice right in the middle. So... uh, we have a lot of fun in our family, and you know, this morning what I wanted to do before we get started is share with you a little bit about what happened at my household for Mother's Day. I woke up this morning, and on our uh, uh, sliding glass door, this glass window, I woke up and I saw this beautiful shaped heart um, with sticky notes, uh, 10 sticky notes in the shape of a heart, and I'm going to read to you what each one of them said. Riley came up with this idea. She said, 10 reasons why I love you, mom. I thought, oh man, that's so sweet, this precious kiddo. Uh, Number one, you work hard for our family. Number two, you love the Lord. Number three, uh, you apologize and admit your mistakes. I like that one. I thought, well, good. Uh, No, there's no perfect parents. There's no perfect marriage. She said, number four, uh, you find ways to spend time with me. Number five, you have a great relationship with dad. Going on, she says, uh, you're forgiving. You comfort me when I'm sad. Uh, You you plan fun stuff for our family. We were just out at Swarrow Lake yesterday all day long. Uh, Had to kind of uh, meander around the wild, crazy college students, but it was a blast. We had a good time. Uh, And then she says, you're generous, and Tien, you love Mr. Fluffles, my bunny rabbit. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have a a plan building a community, building a city, building a state, building a country, and building a world through the family. We thank you for the great privilege and the opportunity that we have in this generation, to minister to the children and the youth. Lord, that you might receive glory, that there might be revival, renewal in this generation among our younger children and youth. And might you help us as parents to take up the role as pastors and ministers of our household. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said, amen. 
training up a child, how do we do that? That's one of the most famous uh, Bible verses in the, in, this, in the book of Proverbs. It's going to require some change. The way I want you to think about uh, the Christian life is, if you weren't here last week, is that there needs to always be change in your life. You always change as a Christian. You're growing in Christ-likeness, meaning you're turning away from sin, turning towards the Savior more and more over the period of your life. Therefore, you should be changing. I did a verse-by-verse preaching message out of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 last week, Change as a Christian. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to listen to that because you've got to change for, for your good, your family's good, and God's glory. But changing as a parent, Proverbs says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Two things to look at when you think about the word train, the word in Hebrew, I better look at my notes in order to remember what the word in Hebrew says, is hanak. And the word literally means to dedicate. Just like what we just saw just a moment ago, these families are dedicating. The word train in the Hebrew is hanak, and it means to train. Uh, It means to dedicate. You think back of biblical examples when uh, Hannah prayed for a boy uh, for her to have a baby son and she receives Samuel and she dedicates him to the Lord. You think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. When Jesus was born as a little child, Mary had Jesus dedicated to the Lord. Um, This idea of train means that we dedicate our children. Um, But Train, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. What does this mean? It means this. There's biblical ideas that it's a principle, not a promise. Uh, the book of Proverbs is about uh, its principles of life on how you live in order to live a godly life. So what does it mean to train up a child in the way he should go? Uh, two ways you could interpret this, and I'm going to suggest one that will help you uh, understand how to do this. Uh, training up a child in the way he should go, many people understand in the way that it would be specifically and solely, however a child is formed and fashioned, that their unique design demands that you as a parent accommodate yourself to the idiosyncrasies or any uh, 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 uniqueness about that child and then modify your teaching or, lear- or training according to that child's special personalities, gifts, whatnot. I believe that's true. I do believe that's true. But I also believe, historically speaking, on the book of Proverbs, as we understand Proverbs, it's about living a godly life. It's about living a, a, a life that's honoring to the Lord. So the idea of training up a child has to be the understanding of not only accepting and understanding that there's principles, it's not a promise, guarantee, because all of us know that we've seen kids that are raised in Christian homes and then run out and live wayward, crazy lifestyles and never return back. It's a principle to live by, and it's in a way to understand that they should live in godliness. But secondly, I do want to encourage you to understand that each child and generation is unique. And we live in a very unique generation. Actually, today, if you don't have kids, I want to encourage you, this message is really important because it's about this generation and understanding the generation we live in. It's Generation Z, is post-millennials, and I'm going to talk to you about them and give you characteristics about them, but it's the generation that's before us. 
Third, I want to point out the biblical idea implies that training a child or training children is a God-given opportunity and a responsibility. Earlier when I was praying, I prayed a prayer like this. I said, Lord, help us to see the value in the sense of, of raising up children because uh, at the beginning of a, at the center of a community is a family. And in order to build a community, you need a, a, a family that loves Jesus, a family that permeates and penetrates uh, the neighborhood, their lifestyle, their love for Christ. And out of that, that it starts with the family. It's the basic building block for every neighborhood. Every neighborhood is the basic building block for a community and a city and a city, a state, and a state, a country. Your role and responsibility in, in shepherding and training and encouraging up this next generation is foundational. The very fabric of the family is being torn apart in today's society, and we have a great opportunity and a great responsibility, like never before, to minister and engage a younger generation for the cause of Christ. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want you to, to, to realize that you're in a good place, North Valley. As we understand that passage of Scripture, our mindset is that we're going to partner with you as parents to do the following. We understand training means it's truth-based. God's Word is the final authority on everything. It's the center of the church. It's at the center, and it's a living Word. It's a living truth. Jesus is our truth. God's Word is authoritative, and at every home needs to be truth. If we're going to train up a child, we have to understand there is truth. Secondly, it's relational. Um, never, your children need you. The relationship should not be delegated simply to the wife to uh, organize the social calendar. Men, husbands need to engage with the family, cultivate the relationships. These are incredibly important. At North Valley, our ministry is relationally oriented. It's adventurous. One of the values of our church is just to have fun. Um, if we're going to um, one-third of the entire population in North Valley is children and youth. If we're going to move forward, we want to ensure and encourage people to have fun and explore God's adventure. I mean, the Christian life is an adventure. You never know what God's going to do, but you always know what he's going to be like. He's always good. He's always great, but you don't know what's next. And that's called the Christian life. It's an adventure. Additionally, it's innovative. All of our training at North Valley with our, our children and our youth is innovative. We want to be creative. Um, we want to engage and we want to be nurturing as well, nurturing relationships. So what is the goal of parenting? That's a great question. The goal of parenting, I think, is to help them to become independent of us and dependent on God. You want kids, uh, parents, you want kids this way, grandparents, you want your grandchildren this way, that they become independent of the family and grow and mature and become dependent on God. Just recently, um, my wife and I uh, was on the phone with my mechanic. My car was breaking down, got a 2004 Pilot. And I, and I called my mechanic and I said, my car's in need of repair. And I said, you know, and I'm fixing it up. My kids are 13. I said, I'm fixing it up and I wanna keep it in good shape because I've got twins that are 13 years old. And when they get to 16, I wanna have a car for them. And he said, yeah. I said, I wanna have a car for them to sell them. And he said, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He thought I was gonna say give to them. So I had that idea. I wanna, I'm trying to get my kids to be 
independent of us and dependent on God, even on a financial level. I want to teach him. So I told Leslie, I said, hey, I got an idea. I want to, uh, uh, we'd never talked about this before. I said, I got an idea. I want to sell the kids the car. I don't want to give them a car. And some of you parents are like, yeah, brilliant idea. You kids in here are like going, terrible idea. Uh, but so I, I, I took it and I shared it with my, my kids. I told Riley, I said, hey, sweetie, I got an idea. Instead of, uh, I'm going to make you a great deal. When you turn 16, I'm going to sell you my car. And she said, that hunk of junk. <laughs> she said, forget that. I'm going to buy a brand new car. I said, oh yeah, you are. You want to Google how much those things cost? And she said, well, I babysit a lot. And Sam's like, well, I, I, I dog sit, so maybe I can dog sit enough and we can go in halfway and buy a brand new car. And uh, long story short is, is they got the, they got the, uh, the, the, the news announcement that we were going to sell them the car. The idea, though, is in parenting for you and me, whatever that looks like, you've got to take some radical steps and make some changes that you can't keep your kids dependent on you for everything. That's not the goal. You want them to be self-sufficient. They want to be able to uh, manage their own relationships. You want to encourage them to be completely dependent on God. You know, it's countercultural. We have a lot of helicopter parenting. They just kind of hover around the kids and try to do everything for them. This generation will do well if you challenge them to grow. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to understand this generation. It's been labeled the I generation or Generation Z. Generation Z is born between 1995 or later. By 2020, they will account for one-third of the United States population. This is one of the larger than the millennial, baby boomer, or Gen X generations. This is a very large generation. Let me walk through some of the generations so you can understand the kind of context and culture we live in. Uh, if you're a baby boomer, this means that you were born between 1955 and 65, and you're somewhere between the age of 53 and 63. If you're a Gen Xer, that's my generation, called the MTV generation, VH1, Headbangers Ball, Friday night. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Bart Simpson generation. Um, you're, you're between 38 to 53. The Generation Y, that'd be millennials, uh, born in uh, between 1980 and 1995. That's between the ages of 23 to 38 years old. And then there's the I generation. This is the largest generation now and be going to become, by 2020, one-third of the entire population. 95, born between 95 and present, zero to 23 years old. This morning, what I want to do is I want to zero in on the Y generation. There's some major problems in this generation, but there's some wonderful, amazing opportunities for this generation. I'll give you seven characteristics of this growing generation. Why? Because I want you to know how to train up a child. And it's honestly, it's your job. And it's not my job. My job is to encourage and equip you to be the pastor of parent, to be the minister of your household. The best thing I can do is encourage, motivate, explain God's word to you and help you go do what God's called you to do. So I want to help you understand how to train up your child. It's as a grandparent, it's as a parent. If you're a youth worker, a teacher, this is very important for you. Here we go. Number one, this is the most digitally connected generation that's ever been before us. The what really separates Generation Z from the millennials was that this was the generation that was born with a smartphone in their hand. 
There's more technology in an iPhone today than there was technology available to NASA to launch a rocket to the moon. This generation has incredible digital connectivity to it. Uh, more than three-fourths of this generation has access to a, a smartphone. Um, there's only 12% of teenagers today in American culture that are 13 to 15 years old that don't have a cell phone. In many regards, for today's generation, Generation Z, it's a rite of passage. If the kids have a phone, it's almost a rite of passage in today's culture. It's a sign, it's a symbol that they're advancing and maturing. While this is the most digitally connected uh, generation, it's the most socially disconnected generation. This is a major problem, Mom. This is a major problem, Dad. You have to, uh, a few weeks ago, I had my father here as a Christian psychiatrist, and I asked him the question, um, where do you see in society one of the most challenged generations? And he said, Generation Z has the highest rate of suicide, the highest rate of depression, is Generation Z. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from a, I was a youth pastor down in Texas. I got a message from a family um, where their son took their life. This generation, why they may be the most digitally connected, they're the most socially disconnected. Heard a story recently of a kid that wanted to go over to a friend's house on Friday night to play and hang out with his friends. But then he found out that there was only one controller to the Xbox and said, I'm not going. I'm just telling you, as a pastor, this is concerning to me. This is the most digitally connected generation. They have great opportunities, but it's a major responsibility as a parent, as a grandparent, for us to not help only let them stay connected virtually, but personally. God made us in his image, and he formed and fashioned us to be connected. Being socially disconnected can be incredibly discouraging. 72% of the kids say that they're um, constantly posting media, and 82% say they're thinking about what they post on media. And then 43% of the kids are constantly worried about maybe they, made, they posted the wrong thing. My point in telling you this is that this generation needs, needs us. Uh, additionally, this is a generation that's least likely to believe in the American dream. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but the American dream is, you know, you, you get married, you, you have a house, you have 2.5 kids, and you have a dog, maybe a bunny rabbit, Mr. Fluffles, and uh, you, 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 you pay off your car and, and you live a happy life. Most of these kids growing up in today's generation don't see that the American dream is just everything that it's cracked up to be. Additionally, there's a feeling of unsettlement and insecurity in our children, in our youth culture today. Um, how many of us remember um, uh, Columbine shooting? Raise your hand. Columbine shooting was a major deal. How many of you remember 9-11? Uh, it's a major deal. For my generation, Generation X, Columbine was a first-time experience. I'd never seen anything like that before. 9-11, um, when the World Trade Center was uh, uh, attacked, those two planes crashed into that, is that, that was a major change. I had never experienced anything like that. My daughter grew up constantly thinking that there were school shootings going on. She had just thought that's the way it was. The, the, the idea of a, a terrorism and in American culture and American soil, that's a normal expression or experience for Generation Z. 
there's an undercurrent in the younger generation, in Generation Z, that there's this uneasiness, this unsettlement, this fear that's different than the generations before them. I want to encourage you that this is something that's just a characteristic. If we're going to train up a child in the way they should go, we've got to understand who they are, what they're going through. I'll tell you something encouraging, though, is that these kids are incredibly entrepreneurial. They have a very strong entrepreneurial mindset. They say things like, I read some research that said 72% of them um, in Generation Z say they're going to start a business. Imagine that. This is a young generation, and they're going to start businesses. They're going to start ministries. They're going to start organizations. They're gonna, they could make a big impact. These are entrepreneurial-minded children and youth today that are growing up in American uh, culture in our homes, and we have the opportunity to shape them, to train them, not just according to their unique bent, although absolutely including that, training them in a way to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to the Lord, understanding concepts of grace, forgiveness, um, that Christ should be the center of their life. Sixthly, characteristic is that they plan to go to college. Um, education has a value in Generation Z. They, they're planning on it. And seventh, most encouraging to me that I found in research, and even Wikipedia includes this in the research, apart from independent studies, I found Wikipedia even included this in Generation Z or the I generation, is that they're engaging in the Christian faith. They're not only engaging in the Christian faith, they're engaging in the Christian faith far more than Generation uh, or the millennials, Generation X, and the boomers. They, are, uh, they have higher church attendance than any of those other generations. And more than half of these young, new uh, um, kids and youth are, are, are making decisions for Christ or being baptized by the time they're 13. There's a, uh, I think it was uh, recently I read in a, in a Christian magazine that there's this... Um, younger generation of uh, ministry leaders that are like the young uh, Billy Grahams of our country right now, leading scores of kids to Christ. It's kind of this sweeping epidemic right now in the church world where more and more children and youth are, are coming to the church and longing to be a part of a family. I think part of the, the, the joy and success of what God's been doing at North Valley is that we communicate as a church that this is a family. And if you don't have a great family, the church can become that family. And God is our father, and this is a great home. And if you don't have a good dad, you've got a great dad in heaven, and no marriage is perfect. And grace and Christ becomes the center and the hope and the healing that we need as a family. So what are we going to do? You know, I found this encouraging, thinking about this generation. As a pastor, I started praying, wouldn't it be great for us as a church for you and for me and our homes and our families to pray prayers like this. God, use this generation with far greater impact than has ever been done before. This is a generation that is receptive towards, towards Christ and towards Christianity. Let's pray for them. I started thinking through the scripture about maybe was there a, other uh, individuals uh, that leaders or Christians that were praying for a generation or saw, saw God move in a powerful way in their generation. And I came to Acts chapter 2, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church after the death, burial, resurrection 
of Jesus and the ascension, the Holy Spirit came down and poured out on the church in a fresh new way, and something changed in that generation. The Holy Spirit was beginning to fill and, and fuel ministry. And then Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, and he stands, I'll just read, read here, starting in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them and, and talked to them. And then he said, picking up in verse 16, he says, This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On your sons, on your daughters shall prophesy. On your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. God was at work in that generation in a powerful, fresh way. His spirit was pouring out upon the church. I believe we're in a similar setting in a time whereby God wants to work through a youth generation, a children generation, where churches have got to come alongside the parents and say, you are the pastors of your home. You are the ministers of your household. Grandparents, you have a vital role to play in stealing a life and legacy into them. And it will shape and change this generation in the future. We have a very important responsibility. So what does that look like? Let's look at Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6, again, I'll read it. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. That's for, uh, he is gender neutral there. It's for young boys, young girls. Training up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I tell you this, I think there's a number of different uh, points we could make, but I want to start where I think there's a bit of idolatry in our culture, even here in the North Valley. We tend to prioritize the wrong things. First, if we're going to train up this next generation, we need to prioritize God, marriage, and children. Now, let me speak to that for a moment. Most of us in our culture, and especially within the North Valley, because kids are king up here, is that what we do is that we prioritize our children first, our marriage second, and God last. And what you need to know that the most powerful thing you can do as a parent is get these priorities straight. Bible says that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's your responsibility as a father or as a mother. You got to do that. And in doing that, you'll have a great marriage. And a great marriage is not necessarily an easy marriage. It can be a very hard marriage. But in doing that, you experience the father's love, his mercy, his grace, and then you can extend that into your marriage relationship. So your marriage is a reflection of the gospel. Your marriage is a reflection of the way you experience God's forgiveness, you extend that forgiveness to your spouse. When you experience your, God's faithfulness, you extend that faithfulness to your spouse. When you experience God's love as a Christian, then you extend that love into your marriage. And guess what? Guess who's watching? The children. Your greatest reflection of Christ in the church is in your marriage. Um, as a single mom or a single dad, you can still put this priority and you say you put God first. Your life matters. The way you live, whatever you model is most important. Your modeling your, is your message. I remember when I was a wayward punk teen kid and I was sneaking out, stealing a car, running away, doing my thing, come back in the middle of the night and guess who was on the couch praying for me? My mom. I saw her Bible opened up and she had that thing. She wrote notes in there. 
It was two or three in the morning. I remember one time distinctly seeing her. She didn't see me. I snuck in. I saw my mom was up praying for me. And I walked down the stairs very quietly because I didn't want her to wake up. And I was trying to get in bed so I could get to school on time and act like I didn't sneak out. And I remember thinking, if God is real, my mom is living, she's testimony of it. She lives it out. I want to tell you something that you can't train up a child if you don't do this the right way. Training up a child in the way he should go is not just, oh, it's just his little personality or her little personality. It's in the way, meaning the way of God's, God's way. So God has got to be the priority in our training efforts. Our modeling is our greatest message. Secondly, I want to encourage you to give your kids freedom. This is the idea of a grace-based home. If Christ is the center, man, you got a lot of grace and mercy at the center of your household. You need to give the, your children the freedom or your grandchildren, give them the freedom to be unique. Each kid is made different. The way I, I engage and treat and connect with Maya, my little daughter who we've adopted, is different, unique in the way that I approach Sam and Riley at 13. One is six and the other are 13. We need to give the children uh, freedom to be unique and admonish those uniquenesses, not trying to make them all look exactly the same or be exactly the same. Some of you have great kids that are, have this great propensity or this great gift set. Enjoy their uniqueness and admonish those uniquenesses. Secondly, I want to encourage you to, to be vulnerable. As you model vulnerability, they'll be vulnerable with you. You need them to be vulnerable about the challenges and the situations that they're going through. And maybe as a grandparent, you can lean in and you can become that uh, voice of reason or that encouragement. Or maybe for you as a parent, it's time for you to make some changes and say, you know what, I'm going to be more vulnerable with my kids at this age-appropriate time and share with them my challenges as a kid or as a teenager or whatnot. But you want them to be vulnerable the kids in today's generation actually would appreciate that more so. They're looking for authenticity and vulnerability. Second, or thirdly, to give kids freedom and to train them up, I want to encourage you to give them the freedom to make mistakes. I talked to somebody right after the service and they asked if I'd pray for them because, you know, they felt the weight of not being a great parent or having a great marriage. And I just said, there's no perfect parents. There's no perfect marriage everybody struggles. There's no perfect people. And, or we wouldn't need Jesus, you know? And so I want to encourage you to give them the freedom to make mistakes. You'd rather them make mistakes in your home than outside your home. And they'll make mistakes both places. I promise you that. But give them the freedom to make mistakes and learn from them. Thirdly, I did some research on understanding this generation and I want to encourage you, based on that research, even here locally, I want to encourage you, if you're really going to train up this next generation, that you support and help teachers, children, youth workers. Why? Because these are the people that God has instituted into our public school system, our private schools, or, or whatnot, or in our churches, that to have some level of influence in the kids. Today, 60% of teachers find it hard working with parents. Very difficult, they say. 75% of teachers um, feel that parents treat them as adversaries. 
Do you know what we need in the church, between the church and the school system as a partnership? And we don't do that through signing some agreement. We do that through us as parents being engaged and being active and caring and praying for our teachers, praying for our schools. Um, at North Valley, we make uh, efforts and we have many uh, teachers here and we have uh, many other school workers here and we're honored and proud to have you guys and thank you for helping shape this generation. Fourthly, I want to encourage you to build a biblical framework of winners and losers. Uh, this generation thinks they're going to win at everything. I'm glad that they're optimistic, but you need to help them understand that life is not fair. You might have to reshape their expectations. They're not necessarily, I mean, today when you turn on the TV, you can see it all the time. You see, a, uh, you see somebody wins HGTV in the home and they get a brand new house. You see on American Idol, this kid all of a sudden becomes from, uh, from, moves from nothing to becoming a super celebrity. And it's an instant generation. Um, reshaping a biblical framework of winners and losers. Actually, this is what changed my life. I remember in Matthew 10, 39, it says that whoever wants to find his life must lose his life. In order to really become a Christian, you need to lose. You need to lose at the way the world plays the game. You need to be willing to be humble. You need to be willing to forgive when people won't forgive. You need to be willing to not be the king of your life, but let Christ be the king of your life. Becoming a servant means that you surrender your rights. A biblical framework of winning and losing is important in this generation. Understanding that in loss, there is great gain as it comes to the Christian life. Fifthly, I would encourage this, is that you engage their world of media. Media is an enormous monster, or it can be a wonderful blessing. And so you have an option to choose on how you do this. You can receive their media and just blindly and let them do whatever they want. Give them an iPad, give them their, a smartphone, give them whatever, and then just be totally disconnected. You could reject it and just say, we're not doing any of that in our household. Or you could redeem it. My encouragement to you is to seek to redeem it. Listen, the media is going to be there whether you want them to have it or not. This generation, the defining characteristic of this generation is that they were born with smartphones in their hand. Uh, many of you grandparents could testify that your grandchildren are more tech savvy than you are. They could be like, Grandma, let me show you how to print off that PDF. Uh, this generation is an instant generation. How many of you guys remember the sound of AOL and dial-up internet? You remember that? My kids, when they heard that, they're like, what's that? They never heard of that before. And if something loads slow, they're like, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? I mean, it's an instant generation. There's been so many technological advances my encouragement is that you engage their media. Um, you consider things like the access. Who's all got access to the media that they're on? Is it open to the public? Who's on there? What's it like? You get involved. You understand the messaging behind it. Or maybe you establish some guidelines with the media. At my household, we have a docking station, and we dock everything up at a certain time frame, and we put it up there. But let me just tell you something. If you are just a hands-off parent and... There is a world of trouble in media, but you can use it for great good and, and God's glory. 
I believe that will be one of the defining movements within a revival in this generation is the usage of media. But it will be for the good and it must be redeemed. Sixthly, I want to encourage you to help them build friendships. They're going to need to know that it's okay to go over to a friend's house even if there's only one Xbox controller. You need to help them foster a friendship. This generation has more social anxiety and friendship setbacks than most generations. Seventh, I want to encourage you as a, a parents is you may feel like you're as a single parent, you may feel all alone. I want to encourage, or maybe you've got a, a wayward kid, or maybe you've got some wayward grandchildren. I want to encourage you to partner up with other parents or grandparents that are in the same season and situation that you find yourself in. God didn't intend for you to do life alone. So here's what I want to do in, in our closing time is I want you to take this home, this truth, and understand that God's grace, God's mercy is at work in you as a parent, as a teacher, is this. The Bible says is that it teaches us that there's no perfect parents. Some of you guys have messed up and as parents, you made mistakes. The Bible teaches that there's no perfect parents. Nobody's perfect, but we can commit to progress. And Philippians 1.6 says that he who began, and Paul says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's at work in your life as a parent. We have a great responsibility and a great opportunity as parents or grandparents in this generation to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for every man, every woman, every child. And God, that you, uh, you know there are no perfect people and that we can come to you and find forgiveness, find hope, find healing by turning from our sin and turning towards you, our Savior. Give us the courage and the commitment to train up the next generation for Christ. And in doing so, God, we'll build great families. We'll build a great neighborhood, a community, a city, and a state. Until you come, Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.